Welcome to It's 11, It's Heaven for Jamie Vardy, the Leicester City podcast for Leicester City fans by Leicester City fans. We're joined tonight by Steve in Aberdeen. How are you, Steve? I'm very good, Mark. And thank- that's probably the first time this season that you've got that right, first time round. So well done. No one um, knows no one knows that in the edit. So you <laughs> don't need to you don't need to say that. I'm good. I'm just about getting over last night. I was very angry with the dog most of the time when he was coming up for a fuss during the game. That's what happens when you call your dog a Yose, though, isn't it? That's the, uh, <laughs> the problem with that one. But uh, you are our, you are our sort of voice of reason quite often when we're all losing our heads around us. So I'd be interested in your your opinion as we go through. Barry, we've flipped roles this week. Last week you had a Villa defeat and a Leicester victory. Uh, this week it was the other way around. How have you been? I've been all right, mate. Yeah, not not a terrible weekend. Um, disappointed for your guys. Uh, just start to finish. Just a poor performance, unfortunately. Yeah, and we'll go into it shortly. We're joined tonight by Aaron, the Bristol City fan. He's been on with us a few times. Uh, being as Bristol City have got half of the, the Leicester veterans, we thought it'd be a good idea to to bring you on and talk about good old Big Nigel and the boys down there. But it's not started so well, has it, Aaron? No. Yeah, representing Leicester B team tonight. I think that's what we're calling it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That and Big Nigel and, and the others that come with it. Yeah. It's a bit of a rebuilding job there for him. And Tom, you're on as well. Uh, you got over yesterday. You were having a bad day before yesterday, weren't you? It's just got yeah. worse. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much ruined my week, to be honest, Mark. But <laughs> we'll get over it, eh? Yeah, we'll have to get a sunnier, uh, sunnier view on it as we go through, I'm sure. <laughs> and we're also joined tonight by BBC Golf correspondent uh, Ian Carter. How are you, Ian? Well, I'm very good, thanks, Mark. Uh, great, great to be with you, boys. Yeah, it's great to have you on as well. Just before we start, just give us a bit of an overview around your uh, career, if you like, and, and what you do now for, for the BBC. Uh, well, uh, I've, since 2003, I've been the BBC's um, golf correspondent, but um, my, my well, I'm Leicester born and bred, um, massive City fan, Tigers fan, all things Leicester sport fan. And I would say that, you know, most people sort of graduate to their dream job and most people assume that being golf correspondent going to golf tournaments all around the world is a dream job and I'm not going to argue with that but I could honestly say that I think the dream job that I had um, was was when I was sports producer for for Radio Leicester which was back in the late 1980s early 90s Um, I know you had Jeff Peters on last week and uh, he was around um, when when I was there uh, as a helper on on the Saturday afternoon program uh, I got Neville Folger in as the the football reporter. That was probably my my biggest success in the three years of doing that job. But I started my radio career as a helper at Radio Leicester in the in the mid nineteen eighties. So um, even though I've lived down down south for, for a depressingly long time now, um, you know, I, home is still Leicester for me. You've never lost those Leicestershire roots. And whereabouts in Leicester are you from originally? Then? Uh, I'm from Knighton. Um, so uh, actually lived around the corner from Gary Lineker um, when he when he made his debut. I was at, at Filbert Street on that day, January the 1st, 1979. So it was it was very exciting to see a neighbour, um, you know, someone who was going out with one of the girls who lived opposite us. And we'd have to we'd have to stop playing football in the turning cir- circle when his clapped out Datsun came round. Um, was, was that the one with the Leicester City branding, was it? Was that that car? Yeah, it was. I can't remember any branding on it, but it had... Um, it was it was clapped out and it was it was blue and it wasn't it wasn't a great car but it, it was cool at the time 
and uh, and yeah, so so for 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 him to 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 watch him make his, I remember going there with my brother. We were in, remember the old East Stand, the the little tiny stand. We were the in shit. there in T Block, and and I said that's the lad from around the corner. And my brother wasn't having it, so we had a massive argument about it. And then of course, for once, I won that argument. And um, yeah, so uh, and the rest is history as far as uh, Gary's concerned. And. Obviously, as BBC colleagues, we've 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 sort of known each other down the years as well, uh, especially when he was doing the golf. So, um, yeah, amazing. Uh, that, and literally lived, I don't know, seventy-five yards, a wedge away. That that was it. Famous old street, that isn't it? it should be a Leicester landmark, I think, uh, in future. So, yeah, I suppose through the years, then you and Gary at the BBC, you've uh, you, you've had to really probably be the only two Leicester fans there. Oh, Man- no, Manish, no. Man- Manish Basin as well, wasn't there? Of course, there's, lo- there's loads of us. There's loads of us. There's um, uh, well, Nick Mullins isn't there anymore, but he's a he's a big Leicester Leicester City fan. Um, You've got uh, a couple of guys at the World Service. The main presenter on the BBC World Service for Sport, Lee James, a big Leicester fan. John Bennett's a Leicester fan who works on the World Service. There's loads of us there. It's brilliant, actually. So you've got a few that know their sport around there. Steve, Steve's <laughs> stuffing his face with his dinner at the moment. Uh, no one's going to see that on the, on the podcast. But Steve, you had a, quite a famous neighbour, didn't you, up in Aberdeen when you first moved up there in 97? He's muted. Muted. Yeah. I did, did I? Do you mean Ian Wilson? No, no, I meant Paul Laurie. Oh, you meant from the golf side of it. Yeah, I used to live uh, on the next street to Paul Laurie. And um, and he used to, uh, we used to have a golf day up there and him and his coach, Adam Hunter, used to come and uh, um, do a, a few rounds, you know, like three holes with all of the four balls or whatever and, and have some coaching with us beforehand, which was great at the time but I soon lost it so I was going around the course <laughs> all of the tips but yeah so um top man Paul Laurie he's, he's a great he, he's got a lot of funny stories to tell actually he's a good storyteller it was and the a year nice he... guy very down to earth big Aberdeen fan it was the year he won the Open wasn't it that um, you, you moved up there is that right have I got my timings right it was shortly after I've got a photo uh with the claret jug with him yeah yeah yeah. So, uh, and his son used to play football for the same school side as my son. So, yeah, we'll edit uh, that out, Steve. I'm not having your name dropping that. You're going too far now with it. <laughs> we'll give you, we'll pass that back over to you, Ian. Most famous person that you've interviewed? Uh, for me, um, oh, uh, well, I'm, I once, I once persuaded Tom Hanks to come into the Wimbledon commentary box to talk to us. Oh, wow. Will that do? That was yeah. That's that's pretty that's good. My, yeah, that's my best uh, Vin, one. <laughs> Aston Villa fan as well, there, Baz. He sure is. Yeah, obviously roots close to Birmingham, no doubt. I was thought you were going to say. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Tiger Woods or something. I was. Oh, I have it. Well, I think is Tiger Woods more in, more more famous wow. than Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. oh, I don't know. I'd be quite pleased if I interviewed both of them. I must admit. <laughs> yeah. What a bizarre well, conversation to start off on. It is, isn't it? It's better than talking about last night's football. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> yeah, we're going to skirt around that as much as we possibly can tonight. But um, I've invited you to come on the show. I've seen that you've had your first is it your first season ticket of however many years you've got now yeah. down at the KP. So uh, so how, how have you come to, to land that this season? Well, it, I, I've been uh, been a member for, for a good few years. And um, and out of the... And my son as well. So my son, yeah, we live down south. He was born in Kingston-upon-Thames. Uh, his only allegiance to Leicester is through me and 
he just walks around the house the whole he's 20 now but the whole time if he's not wearing a city shirt he's wearing a tiger shirt and uh, he's massively into it so the two of us have been traveling up and down um uh, to to Leicester for well all his life um as members and probably getting to i don't know t- dozen matches a season something like that and i've tried to get season tickets before and and there's just been nothing doing and then i got an email saying you know uh, as a member you can express an interest so i thought well i'll i'll do that and and lo and behold i'd accrued enough points to to get Fantastic. myself on the ladder. And my brother, who lives in Birmingham, he's been a season ticket holder for years and years and years. So we've managed to get in the same block. And um, so it'd be lovely. I've re- I, I, of, of all the things, you know, in COVID, and my God, there have been some really bad things about that. But on the, on the more sort of trivial level, the the worst thing about it has just been not being able to go, go to the King, King Power. And... Um, First game of the season, we were on holiday, so I couldn't go. I'm going off to the Solheim Cup and the Ryder Cup. So actually, the first time I'll get to use this season ticket will be the Man United game, um, and depending on on what happens with Europa League as well, because uh, if we get, I bought yeah. a package for that as well. <laughs> yeah. So if we haven't we Tom, we're looking forward. To, I'll say we're looking forward to the uh, to the Europa games ourselves, and we? we've bought the package for that and uh, some tasty tasty looking teams in the draw. Yeah, yeah, it'd be be nice to get back in, involved in European football, to be honest. And yeah, as as you say, we bought the package. I don't know if I can get to them all yet, so it's kind of fingers crossed with <laughs> with how the draw goes at the minute. It'd be good to have some European nights back down there, but without sort of skirting around too much more, I think we need to cover off last night's game. So, Aaron, I'm going to come to you first. Obviously, as a as a neutral fan, you watched the game last night. What what was your thoughts on not even Leicester's performance, but the game as a whole? Uh, I think I uh, expressed a lot of that to you on WhatsApp. I think, look, we can kind of say what we want about Leicester. West Ham were quality. Like, I thought tactically that they were great. Um, How they frustrated Leicester almost into that performance that followed that first 15 minutes. Looking at West Ham, they played that low block, really frustrated you, couldn't play your passing game. The, the stat that popped up about your two centre-backs playing like five million passes between each other and getting nowhere for it. Um, and then after that, it was as if we, uh, Leicester thought, oh, we can break them down here. Started knocking balls long for poor Vardy on his own. And then that was it. West Ham just came out the traps and kind of attacked you then. And that was before the red card. Yeah, it's a f- probably fair assessment, Barry, on that, isn't it? I know you were, I think you were disappointed with our, our maybe approach to the game last night. Yeah, it, it just seemed... West Ham decided we're going to let them come to us and then pounce. Let them, like Aaron said, pass about the ball, but no, nothing really cutting the lines. And it happened over and over again. And, it, and, and unfortunately, Brendan didn't seem to do anything about it. And I think I said to you on WhatsApp as well, um, just before Perez got red carded, that he should have been slugged because he was doing nothing. And if anything, he was causing more harm than good. But, but again, like Aaron said, West Ham were, were awesome. Uh, Soufal and... Um, Who's doing the right wing for them? Were fantastic, absolutely fantastic all night. Uh, Bowen, Jared Bowen, I mean, they yeah. were quality. Yeah. You look at their wingers and you just think maybe they were players that maybe we should have been after. That was our, I don't know, our market, Steve, isn't it? Yeah, Ben Ramas and Bowens, they're players that, that could have done a great job for us. Uh, they, they tore us a bit of a new one last night, didn't they? They did, and we did talk about it at the time when they were both potentially um, 
targets for us that we should be going for them, um, even though it's a bit of a risk. They're the kind of Leicester City players. But although I agree we didn't get it right and we should know, you know, uh, how West Ham play against us, they've done it enough now. Just nobody had a good game, probably apart from Casper. Everyone made mistakes. Even Casper actually was a poor ball that led to Perez getting sent off. Some might see that as a bonus, the way Perez is getting a slating. But I, I think everyone made a lot of mistakes. Even Yuri Tillemans, who had a reasonable game, but he made loads of mistakes as well. Yeah, it wasn't a good night. How did you feel before the game, Ian? Because you went last night. You were down there at the, the Olympic Stadium. Were you hopeful? Because we got turned over twice by them last season. You just think, surely we will have had some sort of plan in place to not let that happen again. Yeah, I, I was definitely in the camp that if we got a point, that would be that would be a fantastic result because that would have been a point more than we got out of them in the whole of last season. Um, and it's funny, I went, with my, I went with my best mate from college who's a West Ham fan and he had to... He had to keep very quiet in the Leicester end with me, and uh, and it was hard for him because they were they were brilliant, um, mm. and and we were shocking. Um, it's the only way, it's the only way I can put it. And I I, I really, um, you know, I get I get very uh, concerned when Leicester fans sort of turn on people, and I think, you know, Perez is getting so much so much criticism at the moment, and I think. A lot of it is unwarranted. I think a lot of it is coming from people who don't actually understand what his role is supposed to be. And if you're going to have an attacking fullback, then if he's going to be in tandem with them, then he's going to have to do some of the dirty work as well, which a lot of it goes unseen, but I think is is seen by the pros. And, and I think that's why Rogers retains faith in him. Um, having said all of that, we're always a better team when Mark Albrighton plays. Absolutely. We always are. And, you know, and, and this whole obsession, we, we need to get a right winger. Well, you know, we've, we've got a league winner in, in our midst who you look at the balance of results when he plays. And it, it, it just seems like every season he has to go and prove himself and others have to cock up and then, you, then he gets the chance to play. Um, but I thought we were shocking last night. We didn't have any... We did not stamp our authority, our tactics, our whatever it was we wanted to do in that match. We, it was unclear to see what it was. Uh, and it was almost like they were just reacting off what West Ham were doing and West Ham were, were brilliant. Yeah, they were. They were certainly a more physical uh, outfit than us as well. They sort of bullied us a little bit. What was the uh, atmosphere like in the stands as the, as the game wore on? Because I imagine it's one of those, if you're there, you just want the final whistle to go on about the 70th minute. Yeah, I mean, it was it was very, around where we were, there was, there was a lot of banter flying around. There's a, a lot of, you know, quite jocular sort of ribbing between the, the West Ham fans. And, you know, we had a gingerhead lad who was getting it and they had a fat lad who was getting it and it was and, and it was that kind of thing that was that was going on and then you know I, I, I just got the impression because I went I went the last time fans were allowed there and Leicester were there and I was in the upper tier that time and it felt like there was no atmosphere whatsoever and it was it was a real disappointment because you know I love going to the away matches and you know the singing and everything and it was really quiet and this time managed to get tickets in the lower level. And I thought this would be better. And it was, I thought it was, but we had nothing to cheer, you know, yeah. and we, there were a few sort of, uh, sort of tepid renditions of VJ I had a dream. And that was it. Uh, but we had nothing to hang our hats on. We didn't have a single corner in the match, I don't think. No. Um, 
we didn't, we had, I mean, Vardy touched the ball. The only time he touched the ball was in the build-up to the goal. Um, and Madison did, did nothing and hasn't done much for a while. And I think that's a source of real concern that we're just not, we don't have that. It's funny that the, I'm rambling now, but the, like the Wolves, Wolves game, it was like, well, we got away with that, but that's a great result. We're off to a great start to the season. Now it's, well, we were shocking against West Ham and we got away with it against Wolves and now we should be worried, which to me makes Norwich massive on Saturday. Huge game coming up on Saturday. To take that point, Tom, if you look back over the performances towards the back end of last season, I was I was thinking earlier, when was the last time that we came away from a game thinking that we'd really played well and really, really deserved the win? Because I know we had the cup final. Oh. We survived in that, didn't we? It was an absolutely outstanding goal that won that for us. Yeah. But in terms of the, the quality of football we were playing this time last year, it's not been there for a little while now, has it? No, it's, it's hard to pick out a game, to be honest. And... Yeah, as you've said there, that was kind of as dropping off at the end of the season again. And fair enough, it was kind of down to, or you could put it down to injuries at the end of last season. Um, but we had plenty of good players that could fill those positions still. Um, we've, we've got even more so now. And, and I just think, um, especially looking at last night's game, the, the tactics weren't there at all. Um, the changes were far too late. You, you could see that we'd basically lost the game in the first half and it was, yeah, really disappointing performance, to be honest. Yeah, so the first goal goes in, I think, the 26th minute. Uh, Pablo Fornells again. It was a sweeping move, wasn't it? I think Vardy lost it in the midfield, Steve. And uh, from there, things got worse with the Jose Perez sending off. What's your view on the sending off? Well, first of all, yeah, that was a Vardy mistake, their goal. And then I don't know where Ricardo was, but Tielemans didn't block the cross in, which eventually led to the goal. It's just a catalogue of mistakes for me. And I'm not sure whether we got the tactics right or wrong because the players just didn't perform. So it's difficult to tell. They just made mistake after mistake. But Perez, um, I, I don't think he intended it. Uh, he was fouled, but it was a red card, you know, because it was it was dangerous, whether he intended it or not. I think he intended to put his foot round the ball to protect it, not realising the guy was coming in, trod on his ankle. So whether it was intentional or not, it's dangerous playing a red card. Yeah, that was the thing on Sky Barry at halftime that we're sort of talking around, uh, oh, Perez has had a look at him coming in. I, d I don't think he did. I don't think he's no. that sort of player myself. But no. when you look at it, it, it is a red card all day long, isn't it? Even as a Leicester fan, there's probably been a handful through the years that I've gone, yeah, that's probably a red. But that was that was a red. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and he's not he's not that type of player. But that isn't, it's an ankle breaker. They're, mm. It's normally them, they're the sort that do break a bone or dislocate a joint. Um, but it, it might be like... I don't, well, it did look like there was a glance, to be fair, but I just don't think he's that sort of guy. Um, it just would have been frustrating that he carried on with the tackle because he was way off. He was nowhere near the ball. It was just... I, I don't think it was a red card. You don't I, think so? I, no, I, I mean, I agree, with, I agree with Brendan. He was fouled in the build-up. He was off balance. He was, if you look at him, he's, he's, he's looking at the ball. And he also, the referee was standing there and watching it, had the best view of everybody of it. And when you slow it down, it looks really bad. All of these things look really bad. You watch it in real time. He's, he's stumbled. He's clattered into the guy. He's managed. He's actually used a good bit of skill to retain possession of the ball. And he's off. And, and I, I just, I mean, stand, yeah, we, we're standing there. And, and there was 
suddenly you're going, why is why is he stopped playing? And I mean, there was no, there was absolutely no sort of roar of anger from the West Ham fans when it happened. In that, in absolute real time, it was an innocuous one. I think, I think they got it wrong, and I feel really sorry for him because it's the start of the season. He's starting the season. Okay, he's, you know, he's got his critics, but this is his big chance, and there's competition all around for places. And now he's out for three games, having been fouled himself and and collided with someone off balance. I'd agree and disagree, and I'd say I'd agree he was very, very unlucky. He was off balance, that's why it happened. But I think ultimately, under the the way they, the laws of the game now, it was dangerous. And and whether it was intentional or not, I think people are going to end up going with VAR replays like that in slow motion. It looks shocking. Well, that that was the change of the laws, wasn't it? A couple of years ago, it doesn't matter if there was an intent, if you put an in, in an opponent at danger, then that is a red card offence. Aaron, what do you, what did you see on that? Did you think that was a red? Yeah, I think it was. I, I agree with what everyone's saying. He's not that player. Did they say that that's his first red card of his career, I think? So so that would kind of say what sort of player he is. He, he made contact above the ankle, didn't he, I think? Whereas He's, studs actually landed on the player, whereas that, that's fairly high, isn't it, really? And that, that is endangering an opponent. I don't think he intended to, did he? I think he went to shield the ball the way that players do now, using his body to do that. And I think it was unfortunate. Um, It it just sort of summed up the evening for us, didn't it, to to that point. What I really can't understand, if you look on the social media, is there's almost celebration amongst some, and I'll use Leicester fans uh, in, in, in quoted brackets, but you can't celebrate one of your own players getting sent off, can you? That's an absolute shocker, Uh, Steve. Yeah, you know, we always seem to pick on somebody and have a scapegoat, and it seems to be Perez's turn. I mean, he didn't have a good game for what he played, 40 minutes, but he created one of our two chances. I think Madison created the other. Neither of them had great games, um, but we only really had two proper attempts on goal that I can remember. And, um, you know, he tries his best, and, and, and I'm... Yeah, we can moan and complain, but the stick he gets, it's just... I mean, look, look, I think Cag's had a worse game. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and I'm not going to slag him off either. But um, I, so I get a bit tired of the Leicester fans picking on one person and making them out to be a scapegoat, no matter what happens. We were going to lose that game anyway, weren't we? We were already losing it and, uh, and just totally lost it in midfield for me as well. I've never seen Ndidi and Tielemans have such a poor game together in the middle there, which is probably a lot of credit to West Ham rather than just down to them making mistakes. Yeah, they got bullied by Rice and Suchek a little bit, didn't they, Tom, in the uh, the middle? They, they just didn't look like it. And actually, going back to Ian's point around uh, Perez needing to do the dirty work there and Albrighton being on the bench, Yeah, uh, Perez was getting taken on so often by Creswell and uh, is it Ben Rama down the left? It felt like we were just lacking that strength on the, the right-hand side for us at that point. Yeah, and it, it does seem like that when we when we do play Perez um, on the right wing, uh, as as you've said, all, all Brighton is a grafter. He, he gets back and he gets stuck in all the time, um, and is one of our more creative players really within the last season. Like we've we've kind of struggled with with Barnes being out, and you know what from from what we saw with uh, Madison kind of getting into the game. He sort of had an, an all right ten minutes, and then it all went downhill. So, um, yeah, we did 
get thoroughly bullied, bullied in uh, in midfield, and you kind of sense that 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 put our defence under pressure. Then you've got Cags making mistakes and the players all around him. I know uh, Thomas looks particularly shaky um, after some brilliant games that he's had recently. Yeah, it was a tough. I'd night say too. some of that was down to Barnes though, and although he he, he had some bright moments. Harvey Barnes, without an end product, he, he didn't back Thomas up very well, same as Perez didn't with um, Ricardo, And that that gave lots of room for Cresswell and Soufal to come forward, um, as, well as, as, well, as well as their wide men. So I, I just don't think we defended the flanks well at all. And then, Cresswell played one up top against Wolves as well. I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah, we did. Do you think, um, do you think it's something to do with that change? It's because Barnes is back, isn't it? When Barnes comes back in the team, I think we we adapt and, and go back to just playing the one and then a winger on the other side as well. Because that's where we've been most direct, I think. I, I think the, the thing yesterday was at half-time, 1-0 down, uh, Ian. I'm not sure if you would have expected Brendan to to make a change at that point to try and to, to try and do something a little bit different. You were just crying out for something to, to happen, to change, to change things up because... Um, and... <sighs> I, I don't know. Again, I always, you know, I always hesitate to to criticise someone who clearly knows a hell of a lot more about what they're doing than than we ever will. But speak for yourself. Just, no, no, it's true. Though. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely true, and we can all have our opinions. That's that's fine. But I think you always have to retain the respect for for people who make a living out of it, and um, and so because actually. Well, yeah, when we went 2-0 down, that, that seemed like that was it. But then they clawed their way back, got that goal, and, and then he was going to make the changes. And when they scored the third goal, we'd got Ian Acho. I mean, I know Dakar was already on, but Ian Acho and Sumari were, were, were actually waiting to come on when the third goal went in. So the timing wasn't, wasn't good. But I just... It, the other thing that you've got to remember is that... That Amati and Soyuncu is is not by any stretch of the imagination the first choice central defensive partnership. Soyuncu looks great when he's when he's got an Evans next to him, um, and and so you know someone with that level of experience. But when he has to play that lead role, and Amati's makeshift, then I think Soyuncu doesn't look like he had to play the lead role for Turkey, didn't he, in in the Euros? And he looked he looked way out of his depth there. And it feels like that's how he is at, at the moment. And we know Amati's distribution is not great. So I think it all comes, it actually all comes from the, from the back, but I'd love to, I'd, you know, what's Ian Nacho thinking right now? He's, he, you know, he's, he had a barnstorming second half to last season, barely got a look in in preseason. And now he's sitting on the bench and he's sending Dakar on before, be, before Ian Nacho. So that, that's, it doesn't make sense to me. Sorry, there was a really uh, interesting little snippet that came up on Sky last night. It was goals in the last 14 games of last season. I think Dakar had got 14 in the Austrian league. Ian Acher had got 12 and Vardy's got three. Mm. Um, so that sort of told us where we were at that stage because I know Vardy didn't get a lot of um, service last night, Barry, but he didn't have a good game, did he? Uh, it was, it was kind of like the um, charity shield. He seemed off a few yards off the pace. Didn't, he didn't seem to have any direction. Um, I actually thought he did really well with Ineacho up top. Uh, he didn't. He wasn't getting the goals, but he was creating space for Ineacho to get the goals. 
But last night he seemed a bit lost. Um, there was no link to him. But then, like Steve said, you could kind of move Pilati in the midfield because they were just so disjointed, so disjointed. He, he was he was getting nothing. Aaron, I'm going to leave it to you to sum up uh, Siunku's mistake very, very quickly because I woke the kids up last night shouting, no, as he as he played Antonio through on goal. Yeah. It, it, he has got that mistake in him, but it was it was a poor piece of defending. Yeah, he just didn't look, did he? He just realised he was in trouble and just played the pass without looking where any of the opposition was, where where Casper was or, or anything and just, yeah... I think that that was his night, wasn't it? Really, that that was his his night in that mistake. I think I messaged you saying kind of similar to what Ian's saying about him with without an Evans. I, I'm not sure whether he looks as comfortable in the two. I think he looks at his best when he's part of the three at the back. Whether that's because of with Evans, it worries me that he's not yet mature enough to uh, to play on his own. You know, without an Evans there, um, uh, and to take control um, and to be responsible, he seems to fall apart when when Evans isn't there. I'm not even sure Vestergaard's going to replace Evans when Evans isn't fit, because Evans, you know, he's got all that experience. He's, he's a big talker. I'm not sure even Vestergaard's that person. So it does worry me about Sionchu and where he's going to go. Just. It, it, Sorry, speaking of Johnny Evans, he's been called up to the Northern Ireland squad um, for, for the upcoming internationals. That's a really strange uh, call-up, isn't it, Ian? What, what did you think of that when you saw that today? Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, they're saying that this condition that he's got can just go away in the in the blink of an eye, and I think that's what Ian Barraclough is is hoping will happen. But um, there's obviously no guarantee that it that it will. Um, I would, I mean, if I was Leicester, I'd be saying, well, we we want him back here. Although maybe the quality of the training, if he did get a game with Northern Ireland, if it did clear up, then that might help us. Um, it's a it's a difficult one, isn't it? Um, and it, it's I, I know it's a, a it's a very very pe- painful thing that he's got. I, I can never say it's pla- plantar fasciitis or something like that. It's got um, an alternative name as well. Something foot, isn't it? I've, I've seen. I'm not sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's I'll a, research well, it, it. It's it's uh, it's it's just such a massive blow for us. And obviously, you know, we've talked a lot about losing out on Fafana, but losing out on Justin, losing out on Castagna. We're it, it it is very very and 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 if you look at how we tailed off at the end of last season, that coincided with. Johnny Evans not being fully fit and and all of these problems at the back as well. So, and we we just have we've tried to clear it up. We've tried, you know, we've signed Vestergaard. I'm not 100% convinced about him, but um, at least he's got some experience. and And Schmeichel must must trust him um, and know him from from Denmark days. Um, I'm just hoping Castagna can be back very soon, and and maybe Castagna offers an option to then go to the to the three. And then I think I think Pereira's looking much sharper this season than the end yeah. of last season. So that gives us some width. But we just didn't have any width yesterday. We had no outlets on the flanks. We had no one controlling it in the middle to be able to find any of those outlets. It, it was just such an, an, an anemic performance. Yeah, it was abject. Um, so without putting too much of a finer detail on it, and we need to, we need to wrap up talking about the West Ham game soon, 
but credit where credit is due. Let's talk about Mikhail Antonio. He terrorised us last season. Uh, Aaron, yesterday I could see you nodding. He did us again, didn't he, the big man? We just did not have the answers for him. I was talking about him with someone in work today, and we were saying that before Moyes went there, he just got put anywhere, right back, right midfield, slotted into a gap. Moyes has come in and decided he's a striker. He just terrorises everyone. I think I've seen a stat earlier. He's got 33 goals or assists in his last 43 appearances. I wish I'd seen that stat before I'd done my fantasy football, sort of actually put him up front, but that, that's fine. I've changed that now. Um, I got he, him in, just, Aaron. It was bittersweet. That's, it. Well, that's the worst thing. I've got him as well. And you're like, you're going to, oh, ooh, actually, that's valuable. <laughs> Every cloud and all that. Yeah. It's just he's, terror. He's switching his international allegiance, isn't he, to, to Jamaica, I think, this week. Do you think he could have done a job for England? Who'd you take out, though, I suppose? We've got so many attackers up there, haven't we, that do you think in the way that we want to go with the Grealishes and Sterlings and Sanchos and all that, all these technical players, to then put someone in who has got, got that kind of physicality? I, I wouldn't see Southgate doing that anyway, but it's a shame for him because, yeah, he, he, he just terrorises everyone he plays against. Yeah, he does. So, shall we just draw a line under last night as a bad day at the, at the office, Steve, and, uh, and move on? Or is there deeper things for us to worry about? Well, I think there are some things for us to worry about. Um, uh, you know, how long is it going to take for Evans to come back? Um, will Madison ever re- regain his form? Um, well, uh, you know, I think Brendan's got to do something different for the Norwich game, even if it's like putting Ian Acho and Dakar up front or Ian Acho and Vardy up front and playing Barnes behind them instead of Madison or something. I know it's not his natural role, but he's played there before sometimes. Um, I think they've got to try something different and prob- uh, probably they're, they're going to have to go for three at the back because on the on the, the basis of Kags and Amati, it's not a strong centre-back pairing, is it? And their confidence will be wrecked after West Ham. Yeah, I think the issue with that is we need three defenders to play three at the back. So we yeah. uh, we seem to be one or two short of that at the moment. We'll, we'll move on from last night's game. We're gonna we're gonna play our weekly game next of last man standing. That's where I'm gonna ask you a question. The person that's last that is left at the end, the last person that's left at the end, uh, will be the winner. I've got a question from the Premier League. I was inspired by a Jose Perez's uh, red card last night. And what I'm going to say to you is there's 39 players that have had five or more red cards since the Premier League began in 1992. I'd like you to name them for me. And Ian, I'll start with you as our guest, if that's okay. Uh, I'll go Roy Keane. Of course. Absolutely right to do so. Seven red cards high up on the list. Well done, Roy. Aaron, you can go next. Vieira. Yeah, one one joint first, rather. Patrick Vieira with eight red cards. Barry. Um, Lee Boyer. What's happened to you, Barry? I know, I'm having absolute mares at this just now. Yeah, listen, we need to we need to spend a bit of time coaching you on some of this. I think you've uh, you're out anyway. Sorry about that. There's actually not. I, I think there's eight or nine ex Leicester players in this. Just for a little bit of a of a clue, Steve, you're next. Well, I, I was going to go for an ex Leicester player called a certain Mr. Walsh. No, not in the Premier League, Steve. Oh, really? 
Yeah, no, his rule was when we were, were were really rubbish down in the championship, wasn't it? Or Division Two, as it was at the time. Yeah. Ian, back to you. Just trying to think of Vinnie Jones. Hello, Tom. Uh... You missed me out there. Yeah, Tom. No. Tom. Oh, sorry, Tom. <laughs> sorry, Tom. Tom. Don't don't say Vinnie Jones. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, mine was uh, Granite Jacker. He's not had fight. These are, the, these are players that have been in the, the league for Un- years. Unbelievable. Ian, I'll come to you. I wonder who you're going to say. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Vinnie Jones. Vinnie jo- oh, Vinnie Jones, great shout. Yeah, he's had uh, <laughs> he, he's had seven red cards as well. He's uh, he's up there. I think he only played in the Premier League for about four seasons as well. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Aaron, back to you. Ray Parler. No, not Ray Par- not Ray Parler. I don't think he ever made a tackle. And I think that's you winning that, isn't it, Ian? Fantastic. Well, that's already. Yeah. This wow. is either goes really that's well or really badly. And I think amazing. tonight... Have you got any more? If, keep, uh, keep going. I was keep thinking... Uh, um, Alan Smith at Leeds. Yeah, seven. Yeah. Um, the next one, I was just, just wondering about John Terry. Yeah, six. Yeah. Um, uh, and I've surpassed myself there. Um, I'm trying to try and think who the ex-Leicester players would be. I'll, I'll um, run you through them if you like. Yeah. Yeah, just um, what I will say is... Before... Speedy? No, he's not there, no. no. What I will say is, though, guys, this is not my fault for asking a rubbish question. This is your fault for being rubbish. <laughs> with yourself excluded from that, Ian, so I, I don't include you. Um, bottom of the list with five was Dennis Wise. Oh, of course. The man yeah. we all love to hate. Yeah. There's three. There's three Leicester in a row at the bottom. The next one up is Jason Wilcox. I think he had that season with us, didn't he, when we were back in the Premier League. Uh, Frank Sinclair, unaware that that's another own goal. Ryan Shawcross, also five. Scott Parker, oh. Carlton Palmer, Mark Noble, Steve Lomas, Frank Leboeuf, Lauren Koscielny, two guy, Tom Huddleston, Hugo Ekiog, uh, ex-Leicester player Dion Dublin, ex-Leicester player Nikos Dabizas, Wes Brown, George Boateng, Francis Benali, David Batty, Nemanja Vidic, John Terry, Frank Quadru, he was at Middlesbrough, wasn't he? Ex-Lester players, Paul Koncheski and Martin Keown, Eunice uh, Cabal, John Hartson, Steve Gerrard, Andy Cole, Nicky Butts, Luis Boamorte, Joey Barton. I can't believe no one got Joey Barton. Oh, yeah. Gareth Barry, because he played like 3,000 games. He got six red cards. Uh, Alan Smith, Roy Keane, Vinnie Jones, Lee Catamol, and then the three that had the most, all had eight, are Patrick Vieira, Duncan Ferguson, and Richard Dunn. Richard Dunn, of course. He was a Villa man as well, wasn't he? Barry? Yeah, he was sent off probably four times in one season with us. Yeah. Duncan Ferguson, of course. There must be a correlation yeah. between own goals and red cards as well. There's a few real good own goal scorers in there. Frank Sinclair yeah. and Richard Dunn. I think he, he's got their record, hasn't he? he anyway. Does, yeah. We'll move on to Saturday. Huge game coming up on Saturday against Norwich. Ian, you mentioned that earlier. It feels like with Man City after that, this is a, a real, uh, it's not make or break, but it's, it's a big deal on how we kick on from here, isn't it? I think so. And not just Man City around the corner, but an international break around the corner. And so it, were we to you know, lose at Norwich, then the hangover from that and and West Ham would, would just go on and on and on and there's not, there'd be next to nothing that, that Brendan could do about it. And at this, at this 
time of the year, it's all about setting the tone for the season. And and at the moment, it's on a knife edge. But a good, comfortable win, a um, bit of confidence, and then suddenly you're going, well, we've played three matches, we've had a tough away match, but we've got six points. You know, you, you're going to say happy days, aren't you? But yeah, it's, it, it's just on a knife edge, though, isn't it? Because if it goes the other way, then 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 that's really quite worrying, I think. Aaron, there's probably 18 other football clubs in the Premier League that see Norwich as the ideal fixture next. I can tell you the one that wouldn't see it is, is that, and that would be Leicester. We historically give them points. What, what, Where should we be worried about with Norwich or where are their dangerous uh, points going to come from? Well, looking, they're 6-0 up against Bournemouth as we speak. Oh, are they? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it's obviously a much changed Norwich side, but... That enthusiasm and banks from that will carry on to the rest of the squad, won't it? So um, that that could make that very interesting. They're going to come off that. They're going to have watched the West Ham performance last night as well. Um, so that that adds to that interest, I think. In terms of like players that they've signed this summer, though, they haven't really gone out of their way. Well, they've got a few loan signs. They've got Billy Gilmore, uh, the Scottish Messi Barry. He's gone in there after his fine performances at performance rather at the Euros yeah uh, and the boy in the Shika he's dangerous he oh is, yeah he is yeah. rapid yeah yeah and I think um, I would be very surprised if their strategy on the weekend isn't to exploit that and get him over the top balls over the top and bind your defenders because I, I don't they're not fast enough Ricardo only maybe are the only ones that be able to catch him yeah, it's going to be one of those where we're going to have a lot of possession again, isn't it? And uh, it might be where we got caught out last season in the home games. Uh, going, to be, going to be tricky, Steve, for us with with those. Um, do you expect Brendan to make any changes around formation or personnel? Um, you never know with Brendan, do you? He's the boss. He, he'll see them in training. He'll see how they reacted to West Ham. Um, I would like to see some changes, I think, Um It'd be good to see some other players get a run out. And I can't see Ndidi and Tielemans being bossed by Norwich's midfield in the same way as we were by West Ham. I still think West Ham are going to be up there challenging for Europe and Norwich are going to be struggling in a fight against relegation. So um, it is a key game in that respect because I think West Ham was always a difficult game. We didn't play well, we capitulated, but... Norwich is a game we need to, to to win, really. Around personnel, then, to, to what we're talking about there, you've got James Madison, who potentially might get replaced by Dewsbury Hall. That would be like for like if we were to stay the same. You've got Samare, Dakar and Ryan Bertrand all yet to, to start a game this season for, for various reasons. Who out of those would you like to see, Ian, come in and take their chance at the lineup? Uh, I, I, I think Bertrand could be could be really important to come in and and actually be that that voice of of experience that would help Cags. Um, I'd like to see Castagna if he's if he's fit. Um, I, I think he's one of our one of our best players. I, I don't know. There's so many options that are that are available there. And another option would be to bring Wilf back into into um, defence, which worked okay for a bit as a stopgap last season. Um, and then you could, so that frees up a midfield position that maybe Samari could take. Um, and, you know, just look at the combinations that, that are there. I just think over and above the selection, it's about attitude and it's about them being right on it. And it's about them 
having the attitude that you would expect Norwich to have, like the underdog a- attitude. I think, I hate to say it, but I think there was complacency about Leicester last night. They came, they sort of trotted on, we're the fancy Dans, we're in, you, you, do you know what I mean? And that's not, that's not how we got to that position. No. But there, there was that little bit of complacency about them and lack of, of bite and the, the press wasn't there. There wasn't, they weren't taking the game by the scruff of the neck. It was almost like, well, we're too skillful. Once we get the ball, we'll score kind of attitude. That's what it felt like to me sort of standing there. I may be doing them a massive disservice. It might have just been a bad day at the office, but they have got to go into that match like their lives depend on it, I think, on Saturday. Yeah, that's why. I, sorry, Steve. I was going to say, I think that's happened before, that we think we're better than we are and then we don't put the work in to, to, to grab the game. And I saw one video clip I think it was uh, Kin and Dewsbury Hall and it was Barnes and it was Madison and someone else. And they were all laughing and joking and, and, and as they come on to the pitch, you know, for a bit of a warm up. And, I, I, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to see a bit of concentration and steely determination. Yes, there can be a bit of banter, but it just seemed too relaxed. It seemed like, you know, well, we've won the FA Cup, we've won the Community Shield, you know, we've got what it takes here and we've always got to put the effort in. So I, I've, I I agree with Ian uh, to a degree with that one. You've never been a fan of the fancy dance, have you, Steve? No. Remember from my days at Five Asides, you you were always trying to get me to kick the uh, fancy dance, as you, you put it. <laughs> do you remember when? Um, do you remember the match when Madison Kate had played brilliantly and he was being interviewed, and uh, and someone said, I can't remember the game, but he said Brighton. afterwards, and he said, "You have," he said, "You." if you're playing in a Brendan Rodgers team, you have to be prepared to run and run and run or words to that effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just feels to me like that's just dipped off a little bit. And, and we're not seeing that attitude, especially from, from Madison, actually. It does. Yeah. I, I just, I'm not sure what he's, you know how he used to just go out there and, and control the match, but since his injury, he, he's, he's, the ball has to come to him and, you have to hope that he's in space and more often than not, they've shut him down and he, he's not providing anything at the moment. I saw the ta- tactical analysis online of uh, him trying to pick the ball up yesterday because obviously, Tom, we were playing from left to right between the two centre-backs. I mean, I don't know about it, it drives me mad when out <laughs> watching it for two minutes at a time thinking, God. Um, but Madison was drifting out left to try and pick up the space and obviously yeah. our pass passes out weren't good enough and then when it was coming back he was out of position do you think Madison needs to maybe sit this one out and I'm going to keep saying it let's give Kieran and Dewsbury Hall about um, the game yeah and I know that's what you want to see but I, I don't think that time's coming just yet Mark unfortunately why um, I think Rogers wants to make a point of how good Madison is to be honest and I, I just don't think he's performed at all in, in the last few games we've seen him in Um yeah, it was kind of like Barnes was taking over his role a bit in, in terms of cre- creativity. And yeah, yeah, I think um, Madison, he was just kind of floating around in, in random spaces, wasn't he, last night? And just ghosts, isn't he? Ghosts through games. <laughs> yeah, not not really being able to push through through anything. It's been a pretty rapid decline, um, Barry. You know, we were talking the... I think when we started the podcast last year, we were talking the Jack Grealish, uh, who... 
again, sorry to bring his name up, and uh, James Madison comparisons. And I know the different types of players, but that's where their their level was not quite similar because I think Grealish was always that little bit ahead. But that that was a conversation he's being mentioned in. He's nowhere near that at the moment, is he? No, he's looking a bit of a big time Charlie, isn't he? Um, I think it's, actually, if if there was a change, it would be him. I would take out and uh, change the team to four three three and bring in um, what, what's the fella Simari. And just, yeah. just so happy we bit. Just get the win, get the win, because there's enough with Ricardo and there's enough with Barnes and um, well, I'm assuming Albright will be taking the place of right right wing. So yeah, get, like let them go at them, go for it. I, I think Madison is. It's an attitude problem and it's a mentality thing, and I'm surprised Rogers hasn't done something about it. Um, yeah. Because he's, he, Rogers has dealt with big time Charlies and made them better, and I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what it is with Madison. It, I don't think he's ghosting. When you watch his runs, he's not. They're not power runs, and they're not the determined runs. Their runs just oh well, there's a bit of space there. I'll go there. He's not. He's not looking for running beyond Fardy. He's not. He's not looking to find a spot that he can do the killer pass. He just, he just doesn't seem near the player he was. You saw him at Bristol City there, wouldn't you, Aaron? I'll have anyone at Bristol City at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about Bristol City before before we move on. Obviously, you've got a lot of uh, Leicester connections around that, but it's not going too well there at the beginning of the season. What's the feeling on Nigel Pearson from within the Bristol City fan base at the moment? Do you know what? He's, he's still got the... I think last time I came on and we spoke about it a little bit, I said that regardless of the results, the Bristol City fans were completely behind him and against the players. There's still a massive feeling of that, to be honest, that he's not to blame and it's the players. Um, the performances this season have been completely different to what they were last season. Obviously, he took over in the... We, we talk about the Premier League being condensed and obviously the Championship's even worse than that. So how many training sessions did he ever get to imprint on any of the players and that sort of thing? Um Obviously, they've had a pre-season. They've worked them like dogs. The game we lost against Swansea on the Friday night, we actually, that's the best game I've seen us play under Pearson. We played amazing, just didn't win. Um, I think what what what's great about all the City fans at the moment, all the podcasts and the forums, everything's about comparing it to Leicester. Like, everything. So, talking about the two centre midfielders, talking about uh, Danny Simpson, there's talk that we're trying to buy a striker off Accurton Stanley um, and he's the next James, Jamie Vardy because he came through the conference and that's why Pearson likes, like people are so desperate for that, that that's all that's ever, everything spoken about. How do you feel here in that, Ian, that another club wants to model themselves on Leicester City? You've been a fan through the years, and you, Steve. Uh, and now we're talking about clubs that are, are a big club, big city, yeah. and want to model themselves on little old Leicester. It's amazing. It's, it's it's great, and I'm I'm really pleased that that Nigel. I thought he was dreadfully treated by Watford. He'd done the he'd done the job there. Um, he was a brilliant manager for us on on two occasions, and you know the fact that Andy King and Matty James and and Danny Simpson are, are there. I'm just wondering, actually, how how are they doing? How are they playing? I saw Andy King was substituted quite early, wasn't he? Yeah, I think there, there's mixed reviews on um, Andy King and Danny Simpson. Obviously, Danny Simpson is a little bit kind of older older than that. There, there's real love for Matty James. Like, Matty James has already made an impact. Um, we, we had a player, Marlon Pack, a few seasons ago that everyone loved and everyone's comparing him to him already. But then uh, King, he's got a goal and assist already as well. So 
there's talk that, you know what, if he doesn't perform in the same way as Matty James, but he notches up the goals and the assists, then it doesn't matter, does it? So um, we, we've binned off some fairly decent centre midfielders to put them in. We've just got rid of Adam Nash, who was great in the Euros for Hungary. Um, he's just gone. Um, binned him straight out for them too. So that's going to be our centre midfield regardless, I think. And who's uh, who's supporting Big Nige there? Uh, who's he got as his assistant? I know he's brought Dave Rennie in, hasn't he? The, uh, the the physio to try and get some of the sports science across in, in the squad. Yeah, so we've took the England under-19 and under-18 managers a couple of seasons ago. One of them's kind of left us temporarily on health reasons, but he's kept the other one on. I think he's got Dave involved big time. Like the whole pre-season was literally his programme. There was talking of the double sessions, the... In one day, we had two friendlies. Um, like they worked them like dogs because we had so many injuries last season. Um, obviously, Big Nige says he doesn't want a big squad, so we released eleven players in the in the win. Eleven first teamers as well. That's not like eleven kind of people who have only made two appearances for us, and he only signed four or five. So he was talking about how can we make the squad more robust so we don't get injuries. And so we, I think he's lent on Dave more than he's lent on kind of his assistant at times by the looks of it. Yeah, they're always the first club after Leicester now that I start to have a look at as we as we go down the the leagues. Apart from Villa, obviously, Barry. Always like to see if you've lost. Um, <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm joking. You're um, not. No, I'm not. I'm, no, I am. I am. There's, listen, there's a week left till the end of the transfer window, Tom. I know this is the time when we start looking at what have we got, what haven't we've got. Okay. We've got right. a fifth fifth highest net spend this season in the league. Are, are you? expecting, I know we, we spoke right at the beginning of the show about a right winger and our obsession with that. Do you think that um, we'll be bringing anyone else in? Uh, as well as a, a right winger or just in general? No, in general. In general. Um, I think it would still benefit to have that right winger. Um, I don't know. Whether we go, go for one, I'd I, I don't know, mate, to be honest. It's uh, it's something we talk about every transfer window and we seem to struggle to fill that position. Yeah, it's getting close as well, isn't it now? Leicester aren't normally the sort of side that just waste their money at the end of the window through panic. Yeah, that's um, the end, yeah. Ian, someone that we thought might get a chance this season would be Kamal Sowa, the uh, guy that was on loan out in Belgium. Looks like he's going to leave the Foxes for, for Circle Bruges. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know that much about him. If I'm to be to be brutally honest, but I, I know he's been one of those guys that's been sort of on on the fringes. Um, I, I think unless there is a really good deal to be done, um, then we should we should leave alone because, as you say, we've spent a lot of money compared with pretty much every other club in the in the country already, and. Um, we could buy another defender, but they get injured the following week. So what's the point? That's um, <laughs> true. Yeah. And you, you know, so I think it's it's. I, I, I mean, I can I can see. It's interesting what Aaron's saying about Nigel Pearson wanting a smaller squad. We can't have a smaller squad because we're we're fighting on so many fronts with yeah. with Europe. So we, I, I think, when we're fit, we've got cover everywhere. And what's You've got Mark Albrighton. I mean, you know, just have him on the wing, get him getting the early balls into Vardy and Vardy comes alive. And I'd love to see Vardy and Iheanacho playing together and Barnes. I'd like those three. They're, they're our three best attacking players. Yeah. And we've got Dakar there as well. 
So if we're starting to, you know, I mean, we had under last season and he, yeah, he played in the Europa League, but he, he didn't do much else. And, and that was a kind of last minute panicky loan deal, wasn't it? That yeah. didn't really do anything. And the only other, the, the biggest frustration is that Benitez has actually told Gray what to do. Yes. Yeah. You know, as soon as you get it, cross it. He was outstanding, wasn't he, on Saturday yeah. for, for Everton? Just think, you know, don't prevaricate, just get it in there. And yeah. and that's and that's a lot of what all Brighton does. Yeah. Um, so that one may have been, you know, a bad miss for us ultimately, but you don't know. I mean, who knows? But um, yeah, I'd I'd leave unless something amazing comes, then yeah. I'd I'd be looking at the youngsters, you know, that we saw saw some good lads come through and play last season. Get them in. Was it Mas Wanise who played in their pre-season as well? He's a young mm. young right winger. But you're right, that's the opportunity. The, certainly the group stages for the, the Euros as well. What what an opportunity for those guys. Baza Villa close to any other signings? What what are you expecting there? Uh, no, uh, maybe another midfielder. I think we're in negotiations with uh, uh, Guy Czech de Corey in, in France. But I I differ from all you guys. I I do think you need to sign. Uh, if if your defenders don't come back anytime soon. And you have another couple of draws or a couple of defeats, and that you're almost out the reckoning already. That and I think I think that needs to be corrected. And there's bound to be defenders out there you could take on a year's year's signing or a year's loan and not have to commit to buy afterwards. I think it'd be silly if you don't take another defender. Yeah, we're we're running out of time, aren't we? So either way, things have got to happen pretty quickly. Uh, Steve, as we head into the, the Norwich game on Saturday, I'm going to take your prediction if that's okay. We we always take predictions uh, week in, week out. We've got a guest scoreboard as well, Ian, if you wouldn't mind giving yeah. us one. Um, right. But we'll start with you, Steve, if that's okay. Well, I'm going to look for a much better performance in a 3-1 win to Leicester. Aaron? 2-1 uh, Leicester. And Barry? I'm going to go to one Leicester too. Oh, I thought Barry was going to win this season just by sort of going against Leicester every week when we go with them. Because the law of averages, I was thinking that that'd be quite a smart move. Tom? Yeah, I was going to go 2-1 Leicester as well. Uh, I think there'll be a little bit of a scare, but we'll push through. And Ian? I think I think we'll win. Um, I'll just be different. I'm, I'm going to say 4-1. I think, we, I, I think if we... I, I have great faith in them that they can bounce back. I can't believe they can play as badly as they did. Two matches running. Um, it's a perfect opportunity. They've just got to go out with the right attitude. If they do that, comfortable winners, 4-1. Madison, Madison okay. two goals against his former club. Yeah, that's the subplot there, isn't it? That'd be and then we can listen to, to the pod to... next week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'd be a good time to get back to form, actually. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's, yeah. a big, um, it's a big call to drop him against Norwich yeah. of, all, of all teams. And you know, we're, we're thinking that they're one of the weaker teams, so it's a good opportunity to maybe find a bit of confidence and form. And so, I'm going to go one all, and I feel bad for saying it, and I can see all you guys are already looking at me, but I've just got a feeling it's not going to quite go to plan. It's always like that Norwich as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's what tells me. My, yeah. my heart just tells me Norwich for us is like. Manchester United away from a lot of other clubs. But yeah, we tend to struggle, don't we? Uh, it's great to have the Premier League back, though. Uh, first couple of weeks of the season. Aaron, before we finish, who's caught your eye? Uh, which teams have caught your eye so far this season? Oh, Chelsea. I just dropping Lukaku into that team. I just, 
I don't know who would want to play against them. I'm really interested next week, Lukaku Van Dijk. I, yeah. I am looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, Chelsea. And then after that, like, if West Ham can churn out performances like that, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be worried playing against them. Yeah. We're one of them. Um, but yeah, you talk about <laughs> you talk about Lukaku and people that wouldn't want to play against him. I can absolutely tell you that Siunku and Amati, based on last night, wouldn't wouldn't fancy that because he was awesome against Arsenal, wasn't he? Big strong in there. Uh, mm. He made the difference for them. Barry, how about for you? Any any teams that have come through so far that you're thinking, yeah, they're, they're worth a watch this season? Um I I think Spurs might be a bit of a shock. I could see them doing well. Um Nuno whipped them into shape, I think. It, it could be down to Kane. I think Kane will probably go. Um, but I don't know. It might breathe a bit of fresh air into them, not having mm. one one star in the team. Um, and, and like Aaron said, yeah, Chelsea have been phenomenal. I, I don't see past them. I don't see anyone. I, I could see them running away 10, 12, 15 points clear. What, even from Man City? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though Man City has spent £100, £100 million pounds on arguably the best footballer ever, in your words. Uh, I never said that. No, I know you didn't. I'm just winding you up, mate. I'm just winding you up. <laughs> no, but um, I don't know. I, I, the thing that lets Pep down is this stubbornness to not want to buy a top striker. And I think it'll be his downfall, for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, well, that's about all, all the time we've got for this evening. Ian, what have you got coming up on, uh, on the BBC? What's happening for you over the next few weeks? Well, I've got, uh, I'm, I'm going to the Norwich game uh, and then choose, following Tuesday, fly to Ohio for the Solheim Cup, um, come straight back, go to Wentworth for the BMW PGA. Uh, then I've got a week at home and then that Sunday I go to the, to the Ryder Cup. So that week at home is hopefully a home, home match in the, in the Europa League. So I'll finally get back to the KP for the first time since that Villa match pre-COVID. Sounds like so, an amazing few weeks. Yeah, so it is. It's, uh, it's like, it was funny. We were doing the, the Women's Open and it was the last major of the year, last week up at Carnoustie. And I was thinking, well, that's the majors done. And then I thought, wow, there's some great stuff still to come. So yeah, great time of year. Um, Going to be all the coverage on Five Live. So really looking forward to it. Do you enjoy being on the road? Do you enjoy being away in the States and uh, having the great weather when we're all freezing at home in the winter? And... <laughs> yeah, it's it, yeah, it's it's good. I'll be honest, I I didn't didn't miss it that much when we couldn't travel. Um, and I've I've enjoyed being at home. I've missed going to the to the football. I will get I I get the older I get, the more resentful I get when I can't go to a to a match that I'd want to go to. I usually find a way of watching it and, um, you know, we've all got to go to work anyway, but, uh, and I'm very lucky in, in the work that I, that I do. So um, yeah, it's, you know, when you're at those massive events, it's, it's brilliant. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for joining us and spending your, your evening with us tonight. Tom, Great before pleasure. we go, are you off to Ohio in the, with work in the next couple of weeks? <laughs> Afraid not, mate. <laughs> It's, uh, it's just amazing to hear that, isn't it? We'll all go about our daily daily stuff, but we'll certainly keep an eye out for, for you or an ear out for you rather on the on the airwaves over the next few months. And uh, if you're ever about down the King Power Stadium, you should give us a shout and come and have a beer with us before before a game one. But no, I, enjoy a- listen- I, enjoy, I enjoy listening, boys. All, all, all the very best. I hope Bristol City go really well. My best mate on the golf circuit is a Cardiff City fan. You have to win this week. Yeah, big game that, Aaron, isn't it? That's a massive game. We do good away at Cardiff. I think we've won our last two games away at Cardiff. So, touch wood that we can carry that on. 
Did you notice he didn't say there how he hoped Villa did well this season, Bas? That's absolutely <laughs> fine. We, 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 that is absolutely fine. No, no offence taken. I well, totally enjoyed you tonight. Enjoyed your input tonight, Ian. Thank you. Yeah. No, th- th- thanks a lot. And I'm half Scottish and I support Scotland, so that's the, that's where we're in. Oh, good lads. There you go. <laughs> good lads. <laughs> definitely don't talk about def- that, Ian. Definitely after... get that bit out of the party. Not after the Euros. <laughs> don't talk about that. Got to stay. It's got to stay. Very, very last comment then tonight, Baz, before we finish. Danny Ings has won the goal of the weekend. Is that goal of the season already? Um, yeah, probably. But I'd, I'd be very surprised if then we won't do this and have a say in it. He's got a wonder strike in him, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Well, that is about it for tonight. Thank you for listening for another episode of It's 11, It's Heaven for Jamie Vardy. We'll be back next week when we're joined by ex-Leicester City striker Trevor Benjamin. We look forward to, to bringing you his views on the current Leicester City side. Thank you and goodbye. Modern day football.